Well, hey, y'all, my name is Bryce. <clears throat> I have a new life in Christ, and I'm in recovery from fear of man, pride, low self-worth, and this past week, lust of the eyes. Hey, y'all, it's good to be here with you guys again. Um, I live with two guys. One's named James, and one's name is Austin. Austin, if you're here, um, hey, I'm about to talk about you. But Austin moved here from college. We went to college together, Oklahoma State. Go Pokes. Um, yes, I love that. I love that. Thank you. Um, we went to Oklahoma State together. <clears throat> he moved to Colorado for about a year while I came here to do the Watermark Institute. After the Watermark Institute, he moved to Dallas. And then he started this endeavor um, of becoming a um, pilot trainer or to, a pilot instructor. Yeah, yeah. A pilot instructor. And it's about like a 10-month thing where he learned what it looked like to fly a plane, how it works, all this stuff. And he said, which is actually kind of crazy, before he even became a pilot, they <clears throat> came to like a try it out day and they flew him up in a plane. They've never met him before. Like didn't even have his, have his ID. They're flying in the plane. He's like, hey, bro, you want to take the wheel? And they're like, he's like, what? Yeah. So they let him fly the plane. They didn't even know who he was. Anyways, I don't know, that's crazy to me. I would not put myself in a plane flying up in the air and give it to some guy I don't know. But anyways, he said while he was learning to fly a plane, um, he would go up, they would do takeoffs and landings. And one day he would, when they was teaching him how to fly the plane around in the air, I guess whatever direction you're trying to go, um, the pilot instructor would give, would, there's, two, there's two wheels, they call it the yoke, actually the steering wheel, if you will, to an airplane is called a yoke. And the instructor would have it. And he said, okay, man, take it. And so Austin said every time he would tell him to take it, he would grab onto the yoke. And when he would grab onto it, he kind of death grip it because he's flying an aircraft 5,000 feet in the air because he doesn't want to like mess up or something. And he, every time he grabbed it the way that he did, <clears throat> it would start shaking and the whole thing would blah, 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 And it would like start turbulence, like the turbulence would happen and go up and down. And the instructor was like, bro, 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 chill, chill. And he would like <laughs> let go of it and the flight instructor would take it back. And he says, the flight instructor told him, he said, hey, the more you try to control it, the less control you actually have. And if you didn't guess it already, tonight's idol that we're talking about is control, the idolatry of control. If you've been with us, we've been in this series, Idols, and we're talking about what idolatry is. And just to simply put it, idolatry is um, valuing anything more than you value God valuing anything more than you value God. And the thing about what we idolize is that we will go to extreme lengths to receive or to satisfy what we worship the most, our idol. And so we talked about um, comfort, then we talked about acceptance, and this week we're talking about control. And what I want to um, explain really quickly is that idols or this worshiping of a particular idol happens really, really deep down. We call these source idols. And it happens really, really deep down in our hearts that causes some manifestation outside of us. We call it the root of our sin could be control and the fruit of it looks different. It's similar to like having the flu or having the cold. They're different viruses, but they can produce similar symptoms. Does it make sense? And so when we're navigating these source idols and when you're discerning in your own heart and mind whether you may or may not be dealing with control or power or comfort acceptance, um, just know that it's much more internal. It, it, you have to understand where your motivation comes from deep within your heart because some people can be doing the same thing, but it can be coming from a different place. Our hope is that you would know um, what you idolize out of these four so that you can then reveal it, begin to confess it, and find healing because God promises healing to those who will confess their sins to one another and be prayed for one another. 
And so um, it begins internally, but these idols manifest themselves externally. And I looked up a a definition for control and maybe a way that it can manifest itself externally. And it said, the power to influence or direct yourself or others' behavior or the course of external events. It's like, whatever I can do to control myself, other people, or um, events that are happening around me is what I like the most. You simply just want things to go your way, like very simply put. If I could have things go the way I want it to go, it'd be great. And to be honest, like some of these things may not even be bad things. It could be good desires, like you want things to go well for a good reason, or they can often be really selfish reasons or harmful reasons. But you seek to control um, and you really will do whatever you can do to get your desired outcome. Like that's what control is. And the difficult thing about control is that when you don't have it, it breaks you. Like if you idolize control and you don't have control over something, it rips you apart. Those of you in the room who idolize control know exactly what I mean. It is, it is um, daunting. It causes so much anxiety. And it really can manifest itself in a lot, of, a lot of ways. And we try to put together, I got some help from the team, try to put together some simple ways that it looks like to idolize control and what can happen afterwards. But one of those ways um, internally is that you internally set standards for yourself and for people around you that you should live by and that other, other people should live by. And when you don't live by them or the people around you don't live by them, all hell breaks loose. It's crazy. A lot of anxiousness. The people around you feel anxious or condemned sometimes because you want them to live a certain way because you have this internal standard of the way they should live. And when they don't live by it, they feel kind of judged because of the way you can respond to them. Or you feel really anxious and uncertain about your life when you don't meet the standards that you have set for yourself. And you'll go to great lengths, like I said earlier, you'll go to great lengths in order to um, meet the standard that you have internally set for yourself. Another way we see this super commonly is maybe your significant other, like whoever you're in a relationship with. It could be a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse or maybe that person that you're kind of talking to, you're in an emotional relationship and y'all are kind of talking that you should probably break it off for, but... That's neither here nor there. Um, But you really, you want them to live or act or do a certain thing. Like, I don't know. I I feel like this is super common in in movies where the wife wants their husband to like dress a certain way and make them look all good and, you know, like slick their hair back or whatever it may be. And these things aren't necessarily bad desires because wives, please help your husbands for sure. Please help them. But, um, But it can go too far. The um, extent in which you desire to control what they wear is really where it becomes dangerous because you're controlling for the sake of control, not for the sake of them and to care for them, but for your own desires. And so you really just want them to do what you want them to do because you like them to do that, pretty much. It's pretty much that simple. Another way is controlling what, and this is where it gets really confusing. I, I was, we were talking, Sierra was helping me out with this, but like the idea of controlling yourself in order to get somebody else to view you a certain way. So you control your body, like you go to the gym and you won't, you'll never leave because you wanna look a certain way because you feel like you can influence them or control their desire of you. And it's for the sake of control. So you go to the gym and you stay in the gym or you go, And oftentimes you'll starve yourself or you manipulate the way your body looks, taking extreme measures in order to have control. 
And if you're here tonight and that's your story, if that's what you've dealt with in the past and maybe that's something you're dealing with now, we want you to know that you're not alone. And there's help here. God offers freedom and peace. Another way is your home, most, your home is like your safe haven or in other words, your like abode of control. Like your home is where you have the most control and you can make, you can manipulate it and make it do whatever you want to do. We talked about how sometimes our lives can be so crazy, but you can go home and just make sure that everything's spotless because that's the only place of, or feeling of control you think that you can have. It's like our idol is doing whatever it can take. Even though the world is chaos, our idol of control is doing whatever it can take to manifest itself in even the smallest place. Well, at least my dishes are clean or at least I made my bed, or at least I brushed my teeth this morning. I hope you're brushing your teeth anyways, even if you don't struggle with control. Uh, <laughs> and one way, one way that um, <clears throat> this happens for me personally, the way I can struggle with control, and here's where a good desire can become problematic, is that I come from a family, I'm the only believer. My younger brother, Kobe, he's 17, well, just turned 18, and he at one point in time professed Christianity at a Young Life camp. Took him there, it was amazing. Um, got to pray with him. And then um, a few years later, I'm out, of, I'm out of Stillwater, no longer with him. And now he's getting caught up in the world and believing these things or doubting God in certain ways. And so out of love and a desire for him, I will go and I'll have these conversations with him. But because I care about him so much, I will... Um, in our conversations begin to like kind of have this frustrated like demeanor because I'm wanting to control the outcome of our, situa our situation or our conversation. I want him to love God, but then I will stop acting in love towards him because I'm trying to control him. And that's something I have to confess and repent of often. And so what I'm saying is this idol of control is like, I want what I want to happen and I don't care what anybody else thinks as long as I get what I want. And the reality of that is, is I have no control over what happens with Kobe and I have no control of my external circumstances. If you've been alive long enough, if you've been around in 2020 or 2021, like this year hasn't been any easier. If you've been around, you know that we have zero control over the things that happen. But our fight for control, like if we can like death grip on whatever's going around us in order to have our way, causes so much anxiety and brokenness, what we are doing is we are assuming the position of God. That's what we're doing. At the, bot at the bottom, at the heart of it, is we want things to go our way. We don't care what God thinks as long as we get what we want. And that is the sin of humanity. If, you, if you've read in the scripture in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve rebel against God because they think that they could become him. And isn't that what we do? They think that they could control their outcome because their, their outcome is better than God's. And so they do whatever it takes to get their own way. They turn away from him. They don't trust him. Ultimately, at the bottom of control is we want to be him. But can we be honest with each other? Right? I know this is a difficult thing. It's like me telling you that you want to be like God, but I'm right in there with you. I want to, to assume that position all the time. I have to remind myself that he is God and that I am not. But can I be really honest with us or can we be honest with each other? We are really, really, really bad at being God. Really bad at it. 
Y'all know that. Some of, some of y'all know that to be true really, really particularly right now because you've brought you into this room. You trying to play God has brought you into this room because it's created anxiousness and brokenness in your life that you are trying to find healing of or healing from. But I wanna remind you of something if you don't know, or I wanna tell you something that you may have not ever known before, but God, even though you have tried to take his position, you've tried to take him off the throne of the universe and put yourself there, even though you've done that against him, rebelled against him, he is not mad at you. He is not mad at you. To hear this, you could be like, oh man, like I don't know what to do, but God is not mad at you. He loves you. And the anxiousness and brokenness that you're trying to control everything around you has caused you, he sees you in it. He's not distant and far. He sees you and he's calling you to him right now. If you're in this room, he has a purpose for you and it's to be in right relationship with you. He says in Matthew 6, 27, and which one of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his life or to his span of life? Like your desire to be in control of the outcome of everything, to get your way, even though that your way often leads to brokenness and damage, not just to yourself, but the people around you. He said he knows that you desire that and you run after it. And then when you don't get what you want, it causes anxiety and he sees you in it. He's like, why are you so anxious about trying to control things when you can't? I'm the one in control. And you can trust me. And he doesn't want you to be anxious because he loves you. And so if you're here tonight and this is maybe new news to you, like maybe you're struggling with control and you're beginning to realize it and you're like, okay, Bryce, well, like, what do I do? If I struggle with trying to control, if I struggle with trying to be God, like, well, like join the party. Um, that's what sin is. And we're all here in this room. All of, sin, all of humanity have sinned against God. But if you're here and it looks like control the most, you may be asking, okay, what do I do? And there's only one thing you can do. <clears throat> is acknowledge God for who he is and surrender to him. Acknowledge him, he is God, we are not. We can run to Jesus. And if you trust that he is God and his way is better, rest will be given to your soul. God gives it freely. In Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Jesus says this to us. Well, he says this to people in front of him at the time, but this message is to us. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's interesting that he uses the word yoke in this passage when he's talking about, hey, you're carrying around this yoke that is too much for you. Come to me, come to me and take that yoke off, put on my burden, trust me, and you will find rest for your souls. Well, Austin, when he's flying in the aircraft, he grabs the yoke of the airplane and it starts shaking and he doesn't know what to do. And when it starts shaking, he starts trying to course correct. He's trying to fix the turbulence. But the more he tries to correct, the harder the plane begins to fly and it gets more chaotic and more chaotic. And he doesn't want to know, he doesn't know what to do until he lets go and allows the instructor to take the yoke. And he looks over at the instructor and the instructor's holding the yoke to the aircraft with two fingers like this. And he said to him again, the more control you try to have, the less control you actually have. 
He said, this, you are not actually flying the airplane. The plane is being guided through the air um, with an unseen force. It's being lifted off of the ground. You need only hold on gently. And when you realize that you are not the one in control, you find rest for your soul. And God offers that to you tonight. He is the one who is in control of the aircraft of life that you are on and he's guiding you and we can be anxious and try to control or we can let go and trust him with all of it. And we can have peace. Tonight, um, you're gonna hear a testimony of a woman on staff named Jonda who has experienced the love of God and who has come to trust that his will is better than hers. Um, and she has never been the same. She's been freed in so many ways. So if y'all give it up for Jonda as she comes up.